It's fun to uh, have this opportunity. Um, isn't it fun just enjoying God's presence? Uh, what a great time of worship just to be with him um, and just to enjoy him. That's kind of really what I want to do this morning is just encourage you uh, in your relationship with him, uh, encourage you just to enjoy him more um, and encourage you just to, to be with him. I love the word that Vicky brought just about making space. Um, and just creating space in our lives uh, for things, but also just to be with him, just creating time to enjoy his presence and and to enjoy him. Um, I love that verse you referred to as well, the Psalms. You know, he, he rescued me because he delighted in me. Um, you know, God delights in you, um, and he loves to be with you. So uh, I just want to encourage you as I'm speaking this morning, just to open your hearts to him. Uh, just just receive from him. Just Just fix your eyes on him. Um, and just his presence is here, and, and just allow him just to speak into your hearts. And uh, there's a verse that I'll mention later. There's a verse uh, where it talks about on the road to Emmaus, the uh, disciples who were walking. They didn't actually know at the time, but they were walking with Jesus. And there's an amazing verse in there where it just says their hearts were strangely warmed within them. Um, and I just love that. I love that sense of just God being near and your heart just being warmed by his presence. So I just want to encourage you, just open your hearts to him and just allow him to to warm you uh, and just to just to encounter you uh, as we as I as I share with you today. Um, I think a lot of what I want to share is kind of stuff that's come out of my own personal journey, really, over the last uh, several years. Um, I think probably some of you will be able to relate to it. Um, If you want a title, I've called uh, my kind of talk today from religion to relationship, uh, from religion to relationship. And that really kind of sums up for me um, my journey over the last, I'd probably say last 10 years, but certainly the last five years um, of just moving from a place of knowing about God to actually getting to know him and learning to encounter him and learning to experience him. Um, and that's, that's really what I want to share with you this morning. Um, and I just want to share with you some of the kind of insights and things that I've I've learned over the last few years as I've been on this on this journey. You know, you you were made to enjoy relationship with God. You were made to enjoy relationship with Him. That's that's why He made you. That's that's why you're here. Um, as many of you will know, Emily and I have just had our second child, uh, Kezia. Uh, she's now two and a half weeks old, uh, which is. Very exciting. Uh, and our eldest, Ben, um, now 19 months. And I was just thinking about this. I've thought about it a lot since, uh, since Ben arrived and even before he arrived. And just thinking about why, why, why do we have kids? Why do we have children? And certainly for... for no, yeah. <laughs> certainly for Emily and I... I think, you know, the the big desire in our hearts was to have relationship with them and to know them, to get to know them. And it's funny, when a newborn baby arrives, um, it's kind of like you've got a whole person in there, but you've got no idea who they are, really. You know, Kezia is two and a half weeks old and she can't even smile yet. You know, she doesn't really respond to us. And I sometimes just think, and I remember thinking this with Ben, you know, you, you look at him and look at her and you think, who are you? Who are you? And it's over the next 18, 20, 50 years, we'll get to discover who they are and and kind of who God's made them to be will emerge 
uh, from within them. And I just love that. I think that's one of the things I particularly love about having kids and is just that sense of who are you and, and, and just them emerging. And that's one of the great delights of being parents is you get to get to know these children and have relationship with them. And uh, I think that reveals something of God's heart for us and God's heart in making us and God's heart in creating each one of us is he wants to know us. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants you to enjoy him and he wants you to be enjoyed by him. And uh, that's, that's why he made us. That's why, that's why we're here. And we see that throughout scripture. Uh, I'm going to refer to a few different scriptures today. We'll look at some, but we, we won't have a chance to look at them all. But you, you see throughout scripture God's heart and his desire for relationship with people. You see it right in the beginning with Adam and Eve. He made them to have relationship with him. And the Bible talks about how he would come and walk with them uh, in the garden. And men and women like us would get to walk with God, would get to talk with him, would get to be with him and enjoy his presence kind of up close and personal. Um, And then we see through the Old Testament, even after the fall, we see God coming and enjoying relationship and desiring relationship with people. So we see with, um, with Abraham that God comes and he starts this relationship with, with a man. And then with the people of Israel and people like Moses and David. And we see God's desire for relationship. And there's an amazing verse in, uh, in Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 34 that says, it's, it's kind of God looking ahead to today. And looking ahead to what we're experiencing now. And he says this. He says, They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their sin and I will remember it no more. You see, God, even in the Old Testament, we see him looking forward to the day when we would all know him. And it wasn't just about a relationship with one man or one woman who was anointed by God, but actually it was all of us being in relationship with him. And I actually think now we're living in in the kind of pinnacle of God's creation because we don't just get to walk with him, but we've actually got him living in us. I, I wonder if this all along was what God was dreaming of and what God was looking forward to was the day when actually he w- we wouldn't just get to walk and talk with him, but actually he would be part of us <laughs> and we would be part of him. And uh, he, he actually lives in us, and, and we get to live in him. It's, a, it's an incredible mystery, but it's an incredible intimacy as well. And, and that's, that's available, and that's, that's what each one of us uh, lives in. And so, as I say, I want to encourage you this morning to, to kind of press into that relationship, to develop and cultivate that relationship you know, we often wonder, I don't know if you ever wonder, but I, I sometimes wonder, what's heaven going to be like? What's eternity going to be like? You know, we, we get this amazing gift of eternal life. What does that mean? What does that look like? But again, even that comes back to relationship. Uh, Jesus says, uh, in t- we're talking about eternal life, he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. It's knowing him, it's being with him, it's enjoying him, it's knowing his presence. 
And actually, I actually believe that our eternity, our eternal life comes out of that relationship. That actually, he is life. He, he is the source of all life. And actually, as we're connected with him, I think that, that that actually gives us life. But eternal life, Jesus says, is is knowing him. It's enjoying him. The Greek word that's actually used there is a word called gnosko. Um, and that's used a number of times in the New Testament where it talks about knowing God and enjoying him and, and being known by him. And uh, that word actually means, it's, it's got a number of different meanings, but it talks about a kind of intimate experiential knowing. Okay, It's not just about an intellectual knowing of God, but it's actually an experiential intimate knowing. Um, that word is actually used, um, I understand, to, to refer to, to sexual intercourse. Um, and there's a similar word in Hebrew uh, called yada, which is, if you look in, in, the, uh, in Genesis, it talks about Adam knew Eve and they had Cain, their first son. Okay, It's that level of intimacy that this word is trying to communicate, that level of experiential knowledge, not just knowing about somebody, but actually knowing them intimately and experiencing them. And, and that's the level of intimacy, that's the, the kind of, relationship that that is available for each one of us i don't know if you ever thought but what could your relationship with god look like what could your relationship with god look like how about another question what what do you think jesus's relationship with god was like have you ever thought have you ever thought i wonder what sort of experiences and encounters jesus had with the father we get glimpses of some of them. Uh, we see the, the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus takes a few disciples up to just glimpse what it's like to encounter the Father. But just wonder, what, what, what was Jesus' relationship with, with the Father like? I believe he enjoyed uh, an unbroken, intimate relationship with the Father. And I believe that the same is available for us too. If you turn with me to John 14 we'll see that actually Jesus uses the same kind of language to describe our relationship with God and the relationship that's available to us as he uses to describe his own relationship. Frequently in the New Testament, Jesus says that he and the Father are one. And if you've seen me, you've, you've seen the Father. And we look here, if you, if you turn to John 14 and verse 10, He's talking to the crowd and he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? You can't get much closer than that. The words I say to you are not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus said, describing the intimacy, the relationship, the connection that he has with the Father. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in, in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus says, that, speaking about the Holy Spirit that we have and enjoy, that you know him, for he, he lives with you and will be in you. You see, Jesus is using the same kind of language to describe the relationship that he had with the Father to describe the relationship that we can now enjoy uh, with the Father ourselves and we can enjoy with God ourselves. I believe that the same quality of relationship that Jesus enjoyed with the Father uh, is available to, to each one of us. Elsewhere in Scripture, if you turn to just chapter 23, Jesus says this, sorry, uh, 14 verse 23. In John, Jesus says this, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, Jesus, again, is describing the relationship, the intimacy that the Father wants to have with each of us. And then if you turn just a couple of pages to John 17 and verse 26... This is Jesus' prayer just before he goes to the cross. And he's praying for his disciples and he's praying for the world. And if we start at verse 25, he says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Why was he making making the Father known? In order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The reason Jesus says here that he was making the Father known was that the same love that the Father has for Jesus might be in you and might be in me. That we get to experience the same love, the same intimacy, the same pleasure of God over us and in us that Jesus enjoyed with the Father. You see, Jesus came to restore our relationship with the Father. And we get to enjoy that level of intimacy, that level of love. Have you ever thought about what, how much the Father loved Jesus? Well, the Father loves you exactly the same. The Father loves you exactly the same. And you get to experience it. You get to know it now. It's an incredible thing. And it wasn't just Jesus. Paul said something similar in his prayer to the Ephesians. Uh, we won't turn there just for time, but he's praying that the eyes of their heart might be enlightened that they might know the love of God. And as he's praying that prayer, he ends it by saying this, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? It's possible to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's Paul's prayer here for the, for the, for the Ephesians, for the, the church, that they might know the love of God and be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's an incredible thing. I mean, I, I can't even grasp what that means exactly, but I know it's good. Um, and I know it's something that I want to pursue. And it's something that I want to know and I want to experience. 
So this is the kind of relationship that we can enjoy with the Father. This is the kind of intimacy that we can know and that we can experience. And I just want to look now at at two uh, kind of keys to enjoying that intimacy with the Father. Uh, Two keys to knowing him and knowing his love. And these are two of the things that I've found, uh, as I say, over the past few years, um, have, have helped me develop that intimacy with him. And the first one, the first key, I think, to enjoying relationship with him in the way that he intended is that we're to be spirit-led and not mind-led. Okay, we're to be spirit-led rather than mind-led. You see, God's spirit and we're spirit. And I think in order to enjoy and know fully all that he's intended for us, I think we relate to him spirit to spirit primarily. Now that doesn't mean our mind is unimportant. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't use it or value it. God's given it to us for a reason. I just think our mind is a great follower, but it was never designed to lead us. I think Holy Spirit was designed to lead us. And I believe primarily he speaks spirit to spirit. And we see some examples of this in scripture Again, I've just read the passage that, where Paul prayed that they might know the love of God. And he actually says, I, I pray that you would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. How, how can you know something that surpasses knowledge? How, how can you know it? I think you know it in your knower. <laughs> okay, you know it in your heart. You know it in your spirit. I think the spirit is able to take us places that our minds can't go. Okay? And, and that's just one example. There are others. In Romans 8, 16, Paul's talking about our adoption and he says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Again, it's spirit to spirit. The Holy Spirit testifying with our spirit that we're God's children. I've mentioned the, the, the story on the road to Emmaus. Our hearts were strangely warmed within us, you know, knowing. They didn't even know who they were talking to, but they knew. They knew that there was something. And Jesus says of his own words, he said it a number of times, my words are spirit and life. You see, the very words Jesus spoke were spirit. And again, he often said to people, if, if you, for those who have ears, let them hear. Now, everyone who was listening to him, or most of them, would have had ears. Okay, but he wasn't talking about them actually being able to hear what he said. He was talking about their hearts. He was talking about what's going on in here. Actually, your heart's being open and being able to hear what I'm saying, to be able to receive the spirit that's in my words, the spirit that I'm speaking. And it's the Holy Spirit, Scripture says, that will lead us into truth. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and will lead us into truth. The other thing I think linked to this, so as well as enjoying God and and learning to kind of cultivate and develop that kind of spirit-to-spirit relationship, is that also our, our aim should be to, not just to know about God, but actually to know him. And there's a difference. There's a difference between knowing about somebody and actually knowing them. Okay, 
And just to illustrate this, I just want you to imagine for a moment that you, um, you, you received an invitation in the post uh, to go to the White House. Okay, you received a personal invitation with the seal of the uh, American president on it, inviting you for a personal tour of the West Wing. Okay, and you, very excited, boarded the plane and went to Washington and there you were met and you were taken on a tour of the West Wing. And then at the end of the tour, you were taken into a room and there on the table, there was a copy of Barack Obama's autobiography. Okay, and Barack Obama's autobiography was sat there on the table and you were invited and, and they said to you, this is a gift for you and uh, we've, th- this room is available to you for a few hours. Just stay here, read the book, enjoy the surroundings. And you thought, fantastic. What a great chance just to, to be and experience the West Wing and, and just take in the atmosphere and, and read about this man, the President of the United States, kind of in that setting. So you, you stay and you read and you read the book and you get to the end and, and you finish the book and you think, wow, what an amazing day. And you go home and you probably do a bit of sightseeing and a bit of shopping and then you come back to the UK and you put the book on the shelf having had an incredible experience. And then a few years later you see the book on the shelf and you you go and you take it off. And you, you think back to that day that you enjoyed. And you're just flicking through it again and remembering the time and the experience that you had. And the book just falls open to the very last page. And you see something that you hadn't seen before. And on the very back page of the book, there's a handwritten note. And the note just says... When you finish this, I'm waiting for you in the Oval Office. And it's signed, Barack. How gutted would you be? (laughs) How gutted would you be? How much different would your experience have been to read about Barack Obama versus actually meeting him? And if I was to ask you, what's Barack Obama like? If you'd read his book, you'd be able to tell me something about him. You'd be able to tell me probably what he stands for. You'd be able to tell me something about his childhood. And you'd be able to tell me about, perhaps a bit about who he is, what he likes, what he doesn't like. But if you'd met him, if you'd talked to him, if you'd spent an hour or two asking him questions... How much deeper, how much richer would your answer be? You wouldn't just be telling me about him. You'd be telling me because you've got to know him a bit. Then imagine you were his friend. Barack Obama must have friends. We never see them, but he must have. Imagine if you'd known Barack Obama for 10 years and you'd spent time with him. And you'd watch football with him and you'd played golf with him and you'd had meals with him. And I said to you, what's Barack Obama like? Again, how much deeper, how much richer would that, would you, would your answer be? And then imagine his children. He's got two daughters. 
What would they say? What's Barack Obama like? What would their answer be like? And I think that's the, the difference in terms of we can, we can read this book. It's an amazing book. And we can know about him. But actually, this book is designed to lead us into an encounter with God. This book is an invitation to a relationship. And it's an invitation to meet him. It's an invitation to be his friend. It's an invitation to be his child. And to get to know him in in that way. It was shocking to me a few years ago when I realized that actually it's possible to know the Bible inside out and yet not know God. That was a real shock to me. (laughs) It was a real shock to me that it's possible to know the Bible inside out and not know God. I think it's so important that we'll just turn to it. John 5 verse 39. This is Jesus uh, teaching and he's talking to the Pharisees here. It's uh, John 5:39, And he says this, this is to the Pharisees. So these are the people that they know their stuff. Okay, they know this book inside out or their equivalent. And he says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I remember I read that a few years ago and it just kind of was one of those moments where it hit me between the eyes and I just thought, wow. It's possible to study the scriptures, to know your Bible inside out and yet not recognize God when he shows up. I thought, that's scary. That's scary. It's possible to know it but to miss him. And they even killed him. They even killed him. So they knew their Bible. They had their theology sorted. They had all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. They would have had an answer for probably most questions, if not all questions that you would have asked them. If you'd asked them, what's God like? They would have given you an answer. And yet, Jesus shows up and they don't even recognize that it's God. And they even kill him. And that's quite incredible when you think about it. And Bill Johnson has a line where he says, you may have heard him say it, it's not safe to be sound, it's safe to be connected. And this is exactly what he's saying. Okay, it's not, don't put your confidence in your theology, put your confidence in knowing him and your relationship with him. Now again, that doesn't mean that we devalue the Bible. Because this is our gateway into that relationship. It's this book, Jesus says, that testifies about him. But actually, we just don't stop here. We let this take us into encounters with him. We, we let it reveal him and not just knowing about the book. Okay, we actually, we, the aim is to, to meet him, to develop this relationship with him. The other thing about our minds is if we only know God through our minds, actually we limit God to our own understanding and we limit God to what we can understand and our current kind of frame of reference or our current level of theology. 
And actually, if God does something or is something that's beyond our understanding or outside of our framework, we're in danger of rejecting it. So again, it's important that we're open to things beyond what we currently understand, beyond what our current experience is or beyond what our current theology is. And again, that, that might sound a bit dangerous, but actually, again, we come back to this, actually, Holy Spirit is leading us and Holy Spirit is guiding us. And in community, we're on this journey together. So I just want to encourage you in, on this point about being spirit Just first encouragement is just to learn what experiencing God feels like for you. Okay? It's not going to look like what it, the person next to you. Okay? But just start to learn and pay attention. What does it feel like when God's around? What do I experience? Okay? What's it like? Maybe it's tingling hands, maybe it's a warm heart, maybe it's laughter, maybe it's peace. Whatever it might be, just learn what is it like when God's around? What does it like? What what does it feel like to experience God? And just learn to cultivate that. And when you experience that, take time, just stop, make space, like Vicky was saying, and just allow God to encounter you. The other thing I just encourage as well is just experiment in terms of how you connect with God, okay? Find ways that bring life. That's, that's one of the things I would look for, is what brings life to you, okay? And again, that's going to look different for each of us. For some of us, that might mean soaking. For others, that might mean painting or music or running or going and doing manual work. Whatever it might be, whether it's studying scripture or writing poetry Whatever it is, I just encourage you just to experiment, okay? And if you don't currently experience life in your times with God and in your relationship with God, look for it, okay? Try other things. Maybe spend time with other people, whatever it is. But I just want to encourage you, just be free to experiment with enjoying God and encountering him, okay? It doesn't have to just be you alone in a room with your Bible, okay? You can experience him in so many different ways. And I think God's made us to experience him in different ways. So just a couple of kind of practical things you can do to perhaps just start to cultivate or just develop and cultivate this knowing him. The second key, I said there were two. So the first key, I think, to enjoying that relationship with God is being spirit-led rather than mind-led. The second one, I think, is dealing with and kind of putting right Areas in our lives where we have a distorted view of who the Father is and who God is and what he's like. And certainly this has been very important for me. I think to some extent many of us will have limited or distorted views of who the Father is. And we see this even on the street. If you were to ask the average person on the street, what's God like? Or if there is a God, what's he like? what answer are you likely to get? Now in here, we, we know the right answers. Okay? We know about him. But actually, what, what, what do you really think? What do you really think God is like? Because as, as I said earlier, it's not just about knowing about him, it's actually knowing him and knowing what he's like. I think they're actually two significant factors certainly that I've found probably not 
everything, but for me, two significant factors that can affect uh, how we perceive and how we view uh, the Father. I think our parents and significant relationships in our lives can have a significant impact on how we see the Father. And I also think our church experience and what we've been taught can have a significant impact. So the church environment you've been in. Now for some here, those two experiences will have been very positive. And those two experiences will have set you up really well to receive and encounter a loving Heavenly Father. For others, those experiences may not have been so good. And actually, experiencing and knowing God's love and knowing God as he really is and not how your experience kind of has taught you he is or not how you've been taught he is, kind of perhaps in your church experience, but actually knowing what he's really like. Actually, there may be areas in your life where actually God wants to come in and he wants to kind of change the way you see him, change the way that you view him so that you can actually see him and experience him as he really is. For me, personally, I used to experience a lot of fear in my relationship with God. I used to be very afraid of making mistakes. Uh, I used to be very afraid of slipping up and getting things wrong. I think I was ultimately afraid of being rejected by him if I got something wrong, if I, certainly if, I, if there was kind of a major area of sin in my life, you know. And I found it a lot easier to connect with the idea that God was angry than that God was loving. Uh, there's a verse in scripture where it says that he's slow to anger, abounding in love. And I always used to find it a lot easier to connect with the idea that God's angry than that he's abounding in love. And I've been on a journey myself. I'm still on that journey of realizing, discovering what God's really like. And that's been something that kind of has been a question that's been buzzing around in my heart for the last uh, kind of two years, really, is God, what are you really like? What are you really like? Not what I think you're like, not what I've been taught you're like, but what are you really like? I want to know what you're really like. And so I just want to ask you, what's what's your God concept? What's your God concept? What do you think he's really like? I've just got a few questions that might help just to provoke uh, you to think, and you might just want to think about it in the next few days. First one, are, are you afraid of God? Are you afraid of him? Do you think he gets angry easily? How do you think God responds when you make a mistake? Is God distant or is he close? Is he generous or is he stingy? Does God like you? Does God like you? We heard earlier Vicky say he delights in us. Does God like you? Do you experience a lot of guilt and shame in your relationship with God? Do you feel the need to wait for his permission before you do anything? Can you trust him? Does God laugh? Is he happy? Is he fun? Perhaps just some questions that, I don't know, might provoke a response in you 
might provoke something in you. I think, it, as I say, it, it's about getting to know what God's really like and, and not just the right answers. You know, I could have said for many years, if someone had asked me, what's God like? You know, I, I was living with a lot of fear in my relationship with him. If someone had asked me, what's God like? Is, is God loving? Oh, yeah, God's loving. But actually, in my heart, there was a lot of fear going on. And actually, again, it's, it's about allowing the, the truth that God's loving to actually become a reality in our lives. Because when we look at what God is really like, we see it throughout Scripture. You know, it's amazing to look at Scripture through the lens of God. What are you like? And that's what I've been doing recently, just looking. I love reading John's Gospel. That's a good one to look at. And just, just go through and ask the question, God, what are you like? You know, if you, a good starting point, look at Jesus. Because it says, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So w- what's Jesus like? It says in, in 1 John that God is love. Perfect love. You know, God is the most loving person you are ever going to meet. Um, I don't, don't know if you can just imagine for a moment the most loving person you know. I don't know who it might be, but God's even more loving than they are. And actually, I think it would put them in the shade to experience his love fully. And scripture also tells us, it describes in 1 Corinthians what love is like. And again, I've loved just turning that around recently. It's love is patient, love is kind. But just saying to myself, God is patient. God is kind. God does not boast. He's not proud. He doesn't dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. He hates evil and loves the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. I've also been looking at the fruit of the Spirit, again, through new eyes. I've I've read often the passage in Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But again, about 18 months ago, it just dawned on me, actually, this isn't just some abstract concept, this fruit of the Spirit, but actually it's who God is. That's why it gets produced in us as we enjoy relationship with him, because it's who he is. So again, just looking at that, God is love. God is joyful. God is peaceful. God is patient and kind. He's good. He's gentle. God is faithful and self-controlled. So I just encourage you just to look at Scripture through those lenses. What's God like? I want to know what he's like. I love just looking at the kind of attributes of God as, as I read through uh, Scripture. You know, he brings life. He's light. You know, you just look for these kind of descriptions of who God is and what he's like. I just want to finish by reading um, something that I wrote while I was out at Bethel. Um, I've asked Eric if he'll just play keys while I read this. But just to kind of just go through what, what we've covered this morning. As I said, God's made you to enjoy relationship with him. Okay, he's made you to enjoy an intimate, unbroken relationship with him. 
And actually, you can enjoy the same quality of relationship that Jesus enjoyed with the Father. And I think in order for us to really press into that and really know that, I think one of the keys is going to be actually learning to engage with him spirit to spirit and learning to allow him to take us places beyond what we understand and beyond our current kind of theology. And also learning to get to know him as he really is and actually changing those lenses where we, where we see him perhaps in a, a particular way that limits our ability to, to connect with him and to enjoy intimacy with him. You know, I think this is, this is crucial for us primarily, and I think it is first and foremost so that we can enjoy him as he intended and that we can know him enjoying us. I also think it's crucial as we press into the miraculous and things like that. I think actually knowing God as he really is and getting to know him and enjoy an intimate relationship with him and enjoying his presence, I actually think that's one of the foundations upon which the miraculous uh, is built and, and, and on which the supernatural grows out of. So I just want to finish by reading this. It's called My Journey from Religion to Relationship. And it just contrasts kind of a, a religious kind of perspective of who God is versus who he really is. Um, and I just want to encourage you, as, as I read this, as Eric plays, I just want to encourage you just to open your hearts again to God. Just, just focus on him. Uh, you may want to close your eyes. But just fix your eyes on him. And, and as I just read this, I just, just allow it to wash over you. Just allow it to bring revelation of who God is and what he's like and how much he loves you. Okay? Religion requires... Your father rejoices. Religion dictates. Your father elevates. Religion is never satisfied. Your father delights in you. Religion is a harsh taskmaster. Your father is a lover. Religion is demanding. Our Father serves. Religion motivates through fear. Your Father loves. Religion kills. Your Father brings life. Religion cripples. Your Father heals. Religion performs. Your Father rests. Religion condemns. Our Father restores. Religion destroys. Our Father builds people up. Religion is angry. Our Father brings peace. Religion is distant. Our Father is close. Religion demands much but gives nothing. Your Father desires your all 
and gives you everything. Religion crushes. Your father draws you out. Religion is about the rules. Your father is about the heart. Religion means guilt. Your father brings freedom. Religion killed our father. Our father washes away religion. Religion is never happy. Your father overflows with joy. Religion is thirsty work. Your father is life-giving water. Religion is terror. Your father brings peace. Religion judges. Your father redeems. With religion you cannot win. With your father you cannot lose. Religion is about information. Your father brings revelation. Religion is stingy. Your father is generous. Religion fears failure. Your father encourages risk-taking. Religion is fear of punishment. With your father you experience the joy of acceptance. Religion controls. Your father empowers. Religion curses. Your father blesses. Religion means pressure to perform. Your father means rest. Religion measures. Your father treasures. Religion brings death. Your father brings life. Father, I just want to release over us now. I just release over us a revelation of who you are. Father, I just, I just release open hearts and I just release a fresh revelation of who you are. And Father, I ask that you would flood our hearts with the knowledge of you and with the knowledge of your love. Father, I ask you to take us deeper into relationship with you. Father, I just release life right across this room. Father, I release your life into our hearts. Father, that we would know your life-giving presence and we would know the life that comes from enjoying relationship with you. I just see right across this room, you know, God's heart and God's desire for each one here is that you would flourish, that you would come alive, that you would be full to the measure of all the fullness of God. There's a great picture in the Old Testament. It talks about the river of God that brings life to everything it touches. And on the banks of the river, there's trees that that bear fruit all year round. And the river itself is teeming with life. And I believe one of the signs for us as a church that we're getting this and that, that, that we're growing in this is that there's life just abounding amongst us. And there's new life and there's things happening. And there's, there's the spirit flowing amongst us. And there's people being healed. And there's relationships being restored. And there's communities being set free. And there's people living with joy. I believe these are signs that, that the Spirit, that the Father is flowing amongst us and flowing with us. And I just want to encourage you in your own relationship with, with God, in your own relationship with the Father, to press in to Him. 
to cultivate your relationship with the Spirit. Get to know what it feels like to experience Him, to enjoy Him and stay there. Stay there. And allow Him to transform your mind, to transform your heart so that you can see Him as He really is. Yeah, thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa.